Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Nu närmare sig här ni Holy Craps Retreat. Äntligen är det dags med våra healing retreats som återkommer varje år och detta år är vi lite extra taggade för vi kommer faktiskt att erbjuda ett retreat i Portugal där jag sitter nu. Ja och det är inte vilken plats som helst den här platsen. Jag är bara än så länge sätter på bilder men vi ska ju faktiskt åka dit tillsammans snart och den ser helt magisk ut. Ja. Nej, men jag kan känna in känslan av att bara gå runt på den här platsen och allt vi kommer jobba med och nej, men, alla uh, fina möten och nej. den kommer hålla det känns som att det kommer liksom, känslorna kommer kunna bara rinna ut i den här vackra jorden och det kommer vara varma poolbad och det kommer vara det kommer vara som en ljuvdröm. Ja, själva healing rummet där vi kommer ha klasserna har väl jättehögt i tak så det kommer finnas rum för så mycket expansion och växande i den här liksom underbara salen och eh, nej men var, alltså varje gång jag tänker på det här retreatet så pirrar det i hela, hela Ja, jag känner samma. Ja, det är så otroligt kul. Så... Man känner energin när man... Ja, jag vet, jag vet. Life force is flowing. Okej, okay, men detta datumet är 29 augusti till 1 september. Det är fyra dagar av ljuv, Portugal, luft och magi. Och sen två veckor senare, den 12 september till 15 september så ses vi hemma. På underbara bäddar och ängar på Österlen för vår tredje omgång där. Och där har ni säkert sett och hört. Och det eh... känns ju bara så hem. Alltså det känns verkligen som att komma hem. Ja. Alltså där, det, man, vi känner liksom väggarna, vi känner hela auran, själen av bäddar och ängar. Och det öppnar också upp för ett väldigt tryggt och hållande och kärleksfullt space. Och vi kommer ju ha med oss våra fina foodgeeks även denna gången. Mm. Så in och spana in på holocrapco.com för att läsa mer om de här två fantastiska retreatsen så ses vi i sommar. Hi and welcome to the Swedish podcast Holy Crap with me Amanda and me Matilda. In this podcast, we talk about spirituality, holistic health, and personal development. And this week, we're going international, which explains the English introduction. Yes, and today we have to pinch ourselves when presenting our guest. This feels like a huge milestone and an interview we could only have dreamt of when we started the podcast one and a half years ago. This week, Shaman Durek is guesting holy crap. Yep, and Shaman Dirk is American, a sixth-generation shaman and author of the bestseller Spirit Hacking, Shamanic Keys to Reclaim Your Personal Power, Transform Yourself and Light Up the World. He is best friends with uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and a lot of other celebrities and is a big name in the US, but also getting more and more known here in Scandinavia. 
both because of his amazing teachings, but also because of his romantic relationship with the princess of Norway, Matalus, something he lovingly opens up about in this episode. Yeah, this is a really deep transformational episode about so many interesting topics. We talk about the energetics of Scandinavia, uh, what spirit hacking means, Atlantis, how Derek brought shamanism to the people. And at the end, he also shares a very loving message to all the listeners of Holy Crap. And I have to say, it's so powerful. Oh, yeah. And we should admit that making English interviews is a new and very scary territory for us, but we love it. And there are so many amazing international guests that we dream of having on. So hopefully there will be more of this. But for now, bear with us speaking English. It would take us a number of interviews to get less nervous about this. <laughs> yep. But we are not the people who say no to a challenge. So should we get started? Yes, let's do this. Here is our conversation with Shaman Dirk. Shaman Dirk, welcome to Holocraft Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's an honor having you here. And it's a full moon in Scorpio as well. It is. I and felt you're it last Scorpio. night during my rituals. How do you feel? <laughs> I feel amazing. I feel lit. I was doing a ritual last night with my family and my tribe. So we got to, we were going and dancing and drumming and under the moon. And it was really beautiful connecting with the ancestors and the spirits and making offerings and so forth. It was beautiful. I feel amazing. Mm, nice. Because you're a Scorpio sun, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm a quadruple Scorpio. Mm. Oh, wow. So what more positions do you have? So I have um, Venus, Mars, um, South Node, um, and then there's one more. That's Scorpio. Wow, that's intense. I'm a pretty intense guy. Yeah, Matilda is a Scorpio <laughs> rising, so she knows. I'm feeling this full moon, like big time. Yeah, yes. it's, it's a very powerful moon. But I'm not feeling very lit. I'm feeling more um, emotional. Like if you feel back, emotional, like that just means things that you haven't let go of yet. Because this time right now where we are in our evolution is we have the Scorpio moon, which is about like really amplifying your power and your energy, but anything that you've been stuffing in needs to come out. And then you also, are, we are, we're moving in the time right now of, of the energy in the that moves through us shamanically, which is where we come into looking at all the things that we keep holding on to that are making us suffer. So everything that's making us suffer in our thoughts and our emotions are being purged out of us right now. That's going to go for six months. And then we go through this purging and then we step into the Venus flame, which is the ability to start realizing a greater deal of love for ourselves. So also because of the whole coronavirus, we've been isolated and that isolation increased intuition. It also increased your empathic abilities. So your ability to sense and feel and is much more stronger than it was before coronavirus and this is globally so you know we call it the hermits the hermits exchange it's the it's when you're being isolated you're you're amplifying your other senses and they begin to amplify because you're not getting caught touch and connection in the way that we would usually interact with each other um, in society and so forth that's so wow. true <laughs> we can I so am relate feeling everything yeah, yeah it's so true with the purging and the you know the stuffed emotions it's hundred percent yeah i think especially you can relate to that yeah yeah so <laughs> yeah. but 
Yeah. So how was your morning? And then do you have any morning practices that are sacred to you? Absolutely. So I get up at 4.30 every morning. And the first thing I do when I get up is I do what is called acknowledgments. And acknowledgments is looking at all the things that I've accomplished and all the from the micro to the macro. And then I start acknowledging all the beautiful things about my personality, about myself, about people, about life, about nature, about, you know, some people would do grateful things. I'm not really, if I do grateful exercises, I usually be grateful for the horrible things that happen because those things are what shaped my life and made me even stronger and more powerful. But acknowledgement is something that we lack a lot in society. We don't take time to acknowledge people, acknowledge their wisdom, acknowledge our own wisdom, acknowledge what we're able to manifest so that the more we acknowledge, it builds this beautiful wealth spring of, of awareness of who we are and what we can do. So, and so I start doing that. Then I spend time talking to my ancestors. Then I get up, I go get onto my Pemph machine. I do that for about 30 minutes. Then I drink water and then I call my girlfriend and then I go into um, setting up my, my day, looking at what my assistant put down of all the people that I have to talk to, interviews, this, that, and the other. And, um, and then I start my day from that place and I, I, I go into it with, uh, with this just beautiful grace of, of just excitement and, and, and playfulness like a child. You know, I get super excited to, to embark <laughs> and engage life. It's so important. That's so amazing. So how long is this ritual? So it starts by, it's usually about an hour to do the whole entire thing, you know, and sometimes it can be a little bit longer depending on how long my conversation is with my girlfriend. Cause she's a part of that checking in with her every day, making sure that we're keeping our love very strong and alive while she's in lockdown in Norway. And then, you know, just really making time for her or the kids and then being able to make sure they have my love and support through their day or their afternoon would say. Um, and then that, then, and that's a great start for me in my life as well to feel that, that connection of family. Mm, yeah. That's beautiful. So how long was it since you saw her? Let's see. Uh, last time I saw her, we were, when was it? Um, Christmas. I came, I was, I stayed with her all through the fall Christmas with the family. We went away skiing and, um, Lilyhammer after Lilyhammer, which was the second week of January. And I had to, I went to go stay with my sister in the Hamptons. And then I found out that I lost my uh, my uh, visa to go back because they shut the borders for the for the corona, and um, so I stayed with my sister for about maybe three months now. And then I came here to LA because I have a lot of projects here and I have my new house, so I had to move. I'm getting to move into my new home. But are you planning to move in, like to be in the same place or? Yeah, so we we have a couple projects. We just did a TV show together uh, in Norway called Marta. And um, so I did, and it wasn't in the whole entire show because I had to travel. Uh, But, you know, supposedly it's made great ratings and it's been great. So we're also going to be doing um, a show also in um, America. And I'm doing a couple shows right now. And then, so she's going to come over here. We're going to shoot our show and also spend time together. And then we're going to, it's obviously going to be going back and forth until, you know, I have a house here for her and the kids and so forth. And so we're going to be looking to buy a house here, but we want to find the right land. Either we're going to build or we're going to buy a house. So we're waiting for that. So it's just going to be, again, just going back and forth the way we've always been since day one, since we fell in love. Mm. And for all our uh, listeners that don't know you, uh, your girlfriend is the princess of Norway, Marta Louise. Yes. Yeah. So you have... 
Yes, you have a special connection to Scandinavia as well. I do. Yes, I do. I do. And, and you used to live in Stockholm, right? I did. I lived in Stockholm um, with my friend Elefant. She's a singer uh, in uh, Sweden. She's one of my best friends. And um, I also lived with her father because he's also one of my good friends. And uh, I love Sweden. I love it. I love going to like the place where you play ping pong and going to the cafes <laughs> and that having fun. <laughs> I, I, somewhere in town, I can't remember, but it's really great. It has Trigon. like pink pong. Trigon. I think that's it's it. It's like a yeah. nightclub. Mm, yeah. It's amazing. We love it. I love that. And you can get like five like people on the ping pong table. An... Yeah, it's more like a hangout place. Yeah. Where they have like the they have the ping pong and they have the skeet ball and they have like all the different things you can do, which is quite nice. You know, you don't have that in America. You have that there. <laughs> cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nice. One up for Stockholm. Um, so but what's very beautiful is that we've heard um, that there's a very special story to how, like a background story to your relationship with Matalus, including your mother. Yes. Can you tell us about this? So when I was about 14 years old, I was very much into like rock and roll, you know, metal, music, uh, Metallica, ACDC, you know, this kind of stuff. And um, I, I used to skateboard all the time on the weekends with my buddies. And my mom, you know, she called me on the phone. And uh, at the time she was living in New York, my parents had divorced. And she told me that she spoke to the elder Vikings in Vahal. And I said, okay, when? What did your ancestors say? And she said... Uh, they told me that you can live your life however you want to live it, but you're in the end, you're going to be in the royal family and you're going to be with the princess of Norway. So uh, enjoy your life, but it's already been arranged for you both to be <laughs> together. And uh, I said, Mom, I'm 14 years old. I'm not thinking about any of this, uh, to be honest with you. And being with a princess and whatever this is you're telling me, like, I'm going with my friends. And what princess would want to date someone like me anyway? Like, I mean, she would have to listen to rock and roll music and country music and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And my mom was like, okay, you know what? You don't have to listen to me. It's okay. This elder's already spoken. And I even pulled the runes out and read the runes and it said the same thing. So the elders have spoken. They give you your message. You can accept it or not. It's your choice, but you will see in the future. I said, okay, fine. And yeah, she was right. <laughs> she was right. <laughs> but how did you how did you meet? That's that's incredible. So the way we met was, um, you know, I started doing a lot of work in Europe in a lot of countries. I mean, in Israel and in Turkey and different countries, I was doing a lot of stuff on the forefront of where ISIS and it was meeting at the Gaziantep borders and dealing with conflicts with Palestinians in Israel. And I started getting a lot of press about it. And I started getting more popular in, in, the, in the world because people were writing a lot of press. And then I, as the press began to grow, I, I got, you know, um, people like Gwyneth Paltrow and all these different people became, you know, connected with me, became friends with me, and then became family friends. And then I met this girl one day later. This is years and years later. Her name is Milana Snow. And she had heard about me through the same circles of friends. And she was like, I really want to come and spend time with you. And we started becoming friends. And then one day I was in town working on a new TV show. So I rented this house up in the hills. And she came over to visit me. And then as she was leaving, she said to me, you know, spirit tells me I'm supposed to connect you with a friend of mine. Um, and I, every time I'm, I'm questioning it in my head, it, the spirit gets louder and louder. And it says, you cannot 
you know, not mention this. You have to bring these two people together. Like they're, they're destined to come together. And she goes, I keep feeling this destiny of you two coming together. So I said, okay, well, you know, I'm kind of in and out of a relationship right now with this Japanese girl. And before that I was dating this guy and it wasn't the best situation. And I'm just kind of like at this point right now in my life where I just really want to focus on the people, focus on God and focus on me and just like what I'm creating for the world. And so she's like, well, I just want to let you know that I think it would be great for you to meet. And then she kept pushing and pushing and pushing and like texting me and telling me like how important it is for us to connect. And I kept kind of blowing it off. So I went to go visit my friend Dave Asprey up in his place in Canada. And his person who runs his company was like, you know, Dirk, you always talk about love. You always say these things, you know, and maybe this could be an opportunity for love. You're not really happy in the relationship that you're in anyway. You know, you're not even really dating the girl anymore. You guys are just kind of meeting up with each other. So why are you, you know, holding back? And then my friend Dave was like, you should just, you know, open yourself up to it. And then I talked to my friend Elephant in Sweden and she was like, Dirk, uh, you know, every time you said something, everything always happens. And so in the day that we met and, you know, you always say something. So I feel like you're, you need to go into this situation and just be an experience and whatever happens, don't put in expectation, just be you, you know? And so I was like, okay. So I called her back. I was like, okay, well, I'm in town right now again for doing this other show so perhaps you um we can set something up and she goes oh that's great because she's in town doing something with usher right now so why don't i set you guys up you know to meet and then like within like two days or something of the meeting she calls me and says oh and by the way she's the princess of norway and i go what (laughs) i go what are you talking about she goes, she's the princess of Norway. I go, like, the princess, like, father, king, mother, queen, this kind of thing. She said, yes. I said, okay, I don't know if I want to go, f- like, meet this woman. Like, I'm, I'm good, you know? And she goes, but why? Did you, I then, said, did you then recall what your mother said? No, not at all. Years back. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Completely gone. Okay. Too, very young at that time. Many things happened in my life. I blocked it out. And... um She's like, well, why don't you just meet her? And I said, no, I don't really want to meet a princess. I mean, I, I, I'm a humanitarian. I'm the type of guy who get on the ground with homeless people and have conversations. Like, this is not the type of fit of a relationship. It's going to be, it's not going to, it's not going to be a good energy. She's like, well, how do you know? Why don't you just give it a shot? So finally, I was like, okay, fine. Let's just meet her. So I'm in the house. My manager, who's my niece, and my business manager and my whole team is there. My assistant, everybody. They ordered like. Uh, gratitude cafe from this vegan restaurant that I love to eat at and they had it brought to the house and they'd set up the dining room all nice and everything and she came with a friend named Hege um, and she walked in the front door she's wearing a black skirt a white shirt with like ravens on it and I remember her coming in the front door and I looked into her eyes and I just saw all of these images of these different lives that I've lived with her and I, I said something to her. Um, and before I said it out of my mouth, she goes, I know who you are. I remember you. And then I said, oh, yes. So this is what she says, I said. But I actually went into the memory and found it. So actually, I will, say, I will agree that I said this. I said, oh, yes, I suppose that we were destined to meet before time. You know? And then she kind of like, because she's a princess, she's not going to roll her eyes in front of me. But she said she did a <laughs> roll in her head. You know, she's like, oh, my God, this L.A. guy. What the heck? You know, and then we sat down, we had food, we talked, 
her friends, another friend of hers came, this guy, and then they were asking me questions about, can you take a look at this picture of my daughter? Can you tell me what's going on with her and this? And so I was, you know, showing her and all this stuff. And she was in shock because she was like, wow, like you really have powers. And I'm like, yes, of course, I'm a shaman, you know? So then after she came in the living room and her friend was going through some stuff, so I, I was doing the healing on her friend. Her friend was crying. She was watching me. She said I was showing off, but Maybe I was, maybe I wasn't, perhaps I was. And uh, maybe I was just trying to impress her a little bit, you know? And uh, so anyway, so she, after she left, and I didn't know because she told me later that she was outside with the driver, but she couldn't get in the car because she started crying because for the first time in her life, she's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this, but I feel all of these emotions and I never thought there's a person like this that exists. She thought about it when she was a little girl and she's had psychics tell her that she was going to connect with someone like this, but never really put the pieces together. And for me, I couldn't get her out of my mind. So she and I, um, she contacted um, her assistant, contacted my assistant and vice versa. And we exchanged numbers and we got on the phone and started talking every single day for like four or five hours, even to the point where my family got, they were watching Game of Thrones and they were so annoyed by our constant talking on the phone that they actually made notes on the walls of every friend's house or whatever. And it was like uh, the no Martha, the no Princess Martha zone to speak. So they would designate a place for me to speak so everyone didn't have to hear me, you know? And every wow, time I would love. talk. Yeah, it was intense. It was intense. But, you know, for me, I had to make clear within myself because... I wanted to make sure that she could be the type of person that could understand who I am as an individual, and even though she grew up as a princess and that life. And can she understand me who grew up in Hawaii and California, was raised to be a shaman, you know, listens to country music and rock and roll music and like plays video games and VR and do all these things. Is she going to be okay? And the first thing she came over one day to my house and my family was there and they, she bonded immediately with my sister and they kept, my sister and her kept saying like, I remember you from another time. Like, I remember you. And then uh, my nephew said, oh, she's in love with you. This woman's in love with you. And I'm like, no, she's not in love with me. And she's like, we're just, we're just friends. And she goes, no, she's madly in love with you. I can see it in her eyes. And this is my little nephew. And I'm like, okay. And then I was playing video games and she's, I was going to see how she was going to act. And she was like, can I join? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, what are you playing? I'm like, Super Mario Kart. And she's like, okay, can I join? And I was like, yeah. It's like, what character are you going to choose? She's like, I'm going to choose Mr. The Big Koopa. I'm like, you're going to choose Koopa? She's like, what character are you going to choose? I'm like, Princess Peach, of course. She goes, wait, <laughs> you're going to cho choose Princess Peach and I'm going to choose Koopa? She goes, that just shows you right now the dynamics of our relationship. I'm like, that's really funny. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> you know, and I just love Princess Peach. And uh, we played video games and laughed and everything. And then we went to escape room with my family and we had the most amazing time. And every time I would be in New York, she'd call me and be like, where are you right now? I was like, I'm in New York. I'm speaking um, on some major issues. She goes, so am I. I'm speaking at United Nations. I'm where are you staying? I'm saying I'm staying at my um, the hotel that I always stay at. I call it my mother hotel because I'm always there. And she's like, Wait, where is it? And I told her it's in Park Avenue between 34th and 5th. And she's like, I'm around the corner. I'm coming right now. And we come, come over. We meditate together. We'd have these deep conversations. And it just kind of went on for a while. You know, and just turned into this beautiful courtship. And I started like, you know, just adorning her with gifts and flowers and, you know, and just becoming really close friends. And then, you know, I wanted to see 
how that would translate with her being a mom with three kids. And for me, I'm the type of man that if I'm going to engage myself into any type of situation, it has to be a situation that actually supports the woman when she has children. Because if a man comes into a relationship with a woman who has kids and either the kids and the man don't get along, it's not going to work. And also, if a man comes into a relationship with a woman with kids and that man leaves within like six months, five months, because he wasn't really clear about him being in that relationship, it's not only hurting her, it's hurting the children as well. So for me, I wanted to make sure that I was really 100% ready to take on this, this journey with her. So yeah, it was uh, very beautiful. Wow. Mm, that's a really nice story. But it sounds like you're pretty similar almost. Like you're, you, it sounds like you're absolutely matching on the same vibration. I would say so. I mean, we both like riding horses. I ride Western. She rides English classical. But now I'm, I'm riding English classical because I have a, a, a trainer who's Olympic trainer who's been teaching me. So that's been great. And um, learning jumping. And that's been amazing. And we love to ride together. So does the girls. And um, we like a lot of similar things. We like fencing together. We love fencing. We love being out in nature and being, um, you know, active in nature and talking and sharing and meditating and doing yoga together. And, you know, we have a very strong, uh, uh, how do I say, passion and love for the people to seeing people come out of difficult situations. We very much humanitarians. We, be, we, we believe very strongly in empowering women and helping uh, women go into microfunding so that they can build their businesses and get the support from people. So we're very much into, um, you know, advocating for women and advocating for children. We're very much into um, bringing uh, support because I've been my whole life. I've worked in um, helping people, homeless people get off the street. And I've helped a lot of organizations build funding and do, um, uh, you know, group funding to be able to build buildings and do all of these different things. So it's been really nice to see her participate in that and want to go to to these places where people are living in tent cities and and being there with me and showing the love that we have for the people. And so, so we do. We're very definitely even matched. And I think even more so because we like making each other laugh all the time. And I think that's the key to a healthy relationship is to bring yeah. Your little child and their little child have to play all the time. The moment those two children don't play anymore, it's downhill. Yeah. Mm, that's so true. So, um, yeah, but tell us more about your work as a shaman. Yeah, so my work varies, you know. Um, I started sharing shamanism with the world in the early 90s, but people didn't really understand it and weren't ready for it. I mean, they couldn't even understand when I was like, let's drink kombucha. And they're like, what is that? I'm like, I make it in my house. They're like, I don't know what that is. Mm, that's my number one craving now as a pregnant. What is I'm, I'm pregnant and that's a big craving for me, kombucha right now. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Congratulations, mm -hmm. by the way. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, for me, I brought shamanism in the early 90s, people thought it was funny. Then I would get like the very wealthy housewives who would sneak me into their places. I called it, I called myself the hush shaman because they would never let anyone know they were seeing me in private. And then it kind of grew. I kept, you know, keep bringing it to the world to help people understand that shamanism isn't this woo-woo thing that people think it is. It's really about anthropology and sociology and understanding uh, human ecology and how we operate within our, our mental um, facilities, our mental health, our emotional intelligence, and the way that we adapt as human beings in our relationships, in our businesses, or whatever it may be. The whole corner of shamanism and what it comes down to in every tribe 
across the world is the same thing. And it's about relationships. And so for me to be born in a family and being chosen to be a shaman and then raise my whole life to be this shaman and then bring it to the world and then be rejected, um, but still pushing through it and creating the health and wellness um, trajectory uh, before there was Whole Foods or any of these health food stores that I see around the world. You know, I was on the cutting edge and then being able to transition that over to helping people in countries that were going through war and going through turmoil um, built a very strong backing for me. And that helped me to launch myself even further. And then, of course, you know, uh, when you bring in celebrities that all of a sudden admire what you're doing and then you start hanging out with them and they become your friends and you so and then they start talking about you and it kind of just grew and grew and grew. But for me, it's not about. Um, the fame or the, the notoriety, it's about getting the message to the people. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're a janitor or if you're delivering mail or if you make smoothies at a shop or whatever it is, it's always about serving the people. You, anything you do in life, it's about serving the people. So the question is, how do you serve the people? Do you serve them with joy and love and happiness and generosity and kindness? Or do you serve them with grumpiness and frustration and annoyance and agitation? And I think the greatest service we can always offer is always to treat people at the highest level to find them, to leave them better than you found them. That's my whole, you know, understanding. So I built that and I teach people, I brought shamanism. I was the first shaman to bring shamanism into the mainstream on TV shows like The Doctors, uh, Vanity Fair, People Magazine, all the major publications in America, London, Israel, Turkey, Iceland, and really began to create, even Sweden. I was in a lot of different magazines in Sweden as well. Um, women magazines. Um, one called Amelia. They did a huge story on me and Amelia yeah, and um, some other magazines there. But really working with a lot of like Wall Street execs, tech companies, mothers, everyone, every type of person of whatever life. And the whole key to shamanism is the, to, to relinquish codependency. The idea that you have to seek outside of yourself for validation. You have to seek permission to be powerful. You have to look towards other people to justify what you want. And if they agree with it, then you move forward with it. So then when they don't agree with it, you throw it away. We have to remove out of that system. I think one of the most challenging things for me living in Sweden was the whole Yantala because it, it really threw me for a curveball. You know, I was, um, I had a place and I remember I wanted to sublet my place to go live with my friend Elephant's uh, father because him and his wife, Maria, and I, we get along so well. We both love opera music and classical music and we both love picking berries and making teas and jams and stuff. So we thought, why don't we live together? I'll just sublet my place. And immediately the people in the building were knocking on my door being like, do you think it's fair that you can make more money than us and sublet your place? Like, this is not fair. Like, we can't do that. So why should you do that? So we're going to go to the board and tell them that we don't want that to happen. And they stopped me from doing it. And I thought, wow, this is crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. as in America, <laughs> that you, you rewarded for bragging and talking and sharing about yourself and so that it inspires other people to brag and share about themselves. So it inspires other people to, to keep inspiring. And it's all about this inspiration. Whereas every time I went to a party in Sweden, in Stockholm, I opened my mouth and talk about 
things that I was doing and I started noticing people getting angry with me and getting upset with me. Like, good for you, one person said to me. This couple were like, oh, good for you. Good for you, Shaman. Good for you. I was like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not the response I thought I was going to get. And then I would tell people about like talking about themselves and that was a problem. And then when I go to cafes, I talk loud, you know, it's just my nature. And then people would be like looking at me and thinking, okay, why is this guy talking so loud? And so it's very interesting culture um, differences for me that I found. Um, but again, I love everything Swedish and uh, yeah. the Swedish people. But I that's mean, so fun that you're saying this. I lived in LA for two years and I know it's like a huge difference between LA and Stockholm. Um, so what can you say about the energetics of Scandinavian compared to the US? due to that you can read energy yeah yeah i would say the energetics is that your people the people in scandinavia are so powerful but because they've been repressed in their ability to acknowledge that power they tiptoe around with their power and do things in very secrety ways of how they build their success how they acknowledge themselves you know and it's unfortunate because then you don't in relationships you don't have the person who's sitting there adorning you and acknowledging how powerful you are and holding that space for your power because they didn't have that done for them so they don't know what that looks like so you know whereas in america You know, it's strange if you don't acknowledge someone, if you don't acknowledge someone's what they have achieved and what they've done and hold them up and be like, I'm so proud of you. I mean, we have dinners just to congratulate each other on our successes, you know, and being and also being able to hold space like really hold space for someone you love and put them up in this like this space of like. I see how powerful you are. I see how amazing you are. I see how wise you are. I see what great wisdom you bring. I see how you are with the children. I see how you are with your friends. And I just want to let you know, I bow to you. I honor you. I love you. And have that done in return to you creates a different type of energy, which I noticed in Sweden when I would tell my friends something beautiful about themselves, they would sh push it away. They, it was like taking like, I would wait for the tennis racket to come and knock the ball of my, of my acknowledgement and love for, towards them out the park. And I would do it again and I would do it again until they started getting angry and upset with me for actually acknowledging them, which I thought was very strange for me. Because then I was like, I don't understand what the problem is. Like, why can't you just accept how amazing you are? How come, how brilliant you are? What a genius you are. How beautiful you are. How talented you are. And they couldn't hear it, you know? And I remember my friend Elephant, when I first met her years ago, when we did a TV show together, um, that's how we met. And then she was like, oh, I'm from Sweden. I'm from Stockholm, you know, and I, I, I do music and all this kind of stuff. And I met her on the TV show. I didn't even know who she was until I realized more and more that she's this big name and everything. What I learned about our relationship was that it took time for her to be able to adapt to certain behaviors of mine because she was so ingrained in that. And I started showing it to her like, babe, do you realize that you're limiting this, 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 and this because of the way you're thinking? Like, let's move this open and let's like, let's show this light and bring it through. And then she started, you know, showing that. And I said, a lot of my Swedish friends started, I started, I had to like break them down to get them to see how amazing they were without them fighting me to tell me that, you know, 
that they're not allowed to accept that, that no, no. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Great, great, great. But it was never an acknowledgement of thank you. I am amazing. Thank you. I am beautiful. Thank you. I am talented. Thank you. I am a genius. Thank you. I can do great things. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm really good at what I do and I should be acknowledged and rewarded for it. Thank you. And so I think that was the big difference is that in LA or in America, in certain parts of America, should I say, there's a freedom. And that freedom is so intoxicating when you're around other people and everyone is growing and all you want to do is help another person grow around you so that they can say how powerful they are. Because when they say it, everyone is clapping and acknowledging that. Where in, in, in Stockholm, in Sweden, it was a bit different. <laughs> to say the least. It's uh, incredible to hear you say this. We experience it every day and it's like, we know about this and, and it's, I hope that the new generation growing up right now has a different mindset, something I can feel like a difference is actually happening in the society. And something that we're curious to hear your thoughts about, um, because we can see a shift also in the spiritual, um, like the mind, the mindset around spirituality um, in society. But we are afraid maybe it's because we're living in a bubble and we have spiritual friends and we're trying, you know, or do you think it's, we have, we can see an awakening happening here in Sweden. Yeah, I think there's an awakening happening, but it's a much more what I call intellectual awakening than versus just being like this emotional intelligence waking. It's much more like, let's share thoughts, let's share ideas. And oh, this is actually leading us to something spiritual. You know, it's more of a, a, a process of the mind being broken down, of seeing how things aren't working, they're not working, they're not working, they're not working. Okay, fine, let me try this thing. Oh, wow, it worked. Let me share that with a friend. Oh, let me share that with a friend. Oh, let me talk about this at the cafe. Oh, let me talk about this when I come to your house. Let's let's get into these little groups. And so I think that right now it's it's right now what's happening is that there's an intellectual awakening. There's an there's a uh, what we call the the understanding of dis, what we call um, when you say like um, creating a boundary, acknowledging uh, each other's boundaries is very strong right now in Sweden. And I think that the idea of discernment has come in very strong because before I'd noticed a lot of my Swedish friends and people and clients that I have in Sweden, which I have a lot, they were very much not discerning what's right for them. They were just taking things in and reacting to them and getting upset if they wanted to get upset, you know, like, oh, I can't believe all the people in the refugees, blah, 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 you know, freaking out instead of them actually looking at where that was triggering them inside and being able to have that conversation with them turn from an intellectual conversation to an emotional intelligence to them be becoming more spiritual. Yeah. And it begins to open up that, that wellspring of, wait a second, I don't have to look at things in just this one way because my parents chose to look at this whole idea of perfection, this idea that everything has to be perfect, the house, the furniture, the this, the that, everything has to fit within this box and this structure. And if you don't fit within that box and structure, you're strange, you're weird, you're an outcast, you make no sense. And like, like it's almost uncomfortable to be around you because you're not following along with what everyone, everyone needs to make babies. Everyone should have carriages and walk around town and show off their children. You know, everyone, you know what I mean? It's like, Oh, what kind of stuff is going on in a person's house? Let's remove the curtain. So everyone can see inside my window. I mean, really, I don't want to see inside your window. I see you sitting there drinking coffee and naked. I don't want to see it, you know, but like, again, it's this kind of like, I'm looking for acknowledgement, but in these very kind of very superficial structured ways, Whereas right now, what I feel in Sweden is that people are getting out of that. Yeah. They're starting to think outside the box and they're going like, is this really 
what I want? Is this really important? I wonder if my friend feels the same thing. Let me try to talk about something and see their reaction. And then when they see a good reaction to it, then they share it and then it grows. And so that's what I see right now is I see like there's all these clusters of growth happening within people, Mm. but it's, it's not at a fast speed, but it's moving, which is good because Lisa said Mm. it's moving. That shows, that shows progress. Yeah. Yeah, really. Because when I lived in LA, I think it was two years between 2017 and 19. I just sent Matilda all of these podcasts, you know, with Sarah Rose, with Alma 30. It was just like, everyone here is spiritual and they talk about it and they're like cool business girls. And I was just like, why is no one in Sweden talking about these things? Like young people. Um, so I was just like, we have to do this. Mm. Absolutely. And it's it's amazing to hear you t- talk about this because when we speak about these topics in our podcast, it's the topics that people are reacting positively towards. It's what people want to spread. It's like the, um, you know, talking about like how we can break through f- free from, you know, the societal kind of books that we everyone is living in. Um mm. Uh, we talk about star seeds. We talk about Atlantis, like everything. And we thought the people would think that we were crazy here in Sweden, but we have so many followers that were just like, I thought that I was the only one in Sweden having these thoughts. And so yeah. it, it was something missing here. But you know, the way that we look at it in America is we see spirituality not as spirituality. We see it as a form of evolution. So we think the more spiritual you are, the more evolved you are. The more you can move your body and be free and communicate yourself uh, effectively in a way that shows authenticity, that you don't care about what other people think, that you're actually going to communicate because you're talking from your heart and you're not afraid to be you and shine and radiate your light, we see it as a form of evolution. So it, the weird part of it is, is that we, when people are not operating in that field of consciousness, a great part of society backs away from them instead of embracing them from where they're at, which is what I'm helping people do now in LA and in New York and Miami and a lot of these major cities and Chicago and so forth, because people get into this holier than thou spirituality now. So instead of it just being about, okay, we're going to be spiritually evolved. Now it's become the new um, evolved club. So literally they'll use like words like the woke club, which I use the word woke, but not in the way they're using it. They'll say things like, oh, if you didn't do ayahuasca, like people, you go to people's dinner table and they'll tell you all about their ayahuasca ceremony. And then they'll say, did you do ayahuasca too? And if they see like the couple going like, no, we didn't do it. And they're like, oh, that's unfortunate. Mm. I mean, it's becoming hierarchies. and um... It's becoming a hierarchy, yes. And that's what I'm here to take down, is the hierarchy, the nonsense, the, the social cliques that make us back in high. Like, we're, what are we, in junior high again? High school? But we can see, we can see some of it here, too, amongst like, the, the spiritual community. And it's not really our vibe. Mm. Yeah, but you know, you understand that that comes from fear of integration. That comes from fear of of true authenticity. Because if you are a spiritual person, you should be okay with a Christian. You should be okay with any a Muslim. You should be okay with whoever has a different belief than you, because you're not threatened by another person. But if you are what I call fake spiritual, then you have these words like love and light, and only things that represent love and light you can handle. You you can't handle anything other than what fits within the box, and that's still a form of control and that's still being governed by fear and that's something that i always tell the spiritual community 
Mm. And we have seen something here in Sweden that are interesting, like the last couple of months, uh, that gurus are being like questioning. And people are being questioning, like when it comes to gurus and traditional belief systems within spirituality. And people want to do things in new ways and not stick to like old belief systems and old like rituals. And yeah. And it feels like this is kind of creating a gap between the old and the new. I don't know if you're feeling the same thing. It's funny, though, because we wrote this question and then we went into your website and then we saw something at like, be your own, they, we, yeah, be your own guru is what, what it says on your. Be your own damn on, guru. Be your own exactly. damn guru. Exactly. That's like the front page on your mm. website. And so. this is very interesting, like noticing here in Sweden, how people are like, you are your own guru. You don't need to like put people on pedestals and. No pedestals. And so yeah. The hierarchy no. must come to an end. Yeah, it's Definitely. true. Yeah. You know, my whole philosophy is that I meet a lot of spiritual people in America who are like, you know, they write book after book after book and this and that and the other. And then they're like, Shaman Derek, how come you haven't come out with your new book? I'm like, because I don't feel like writing one. And they're like, oh, okay, that's weird. I'm like, why is that weird? Should I come out with a book every month or every year? Is that make it, that make me a part of the crew? Like I write a book when spirit tells me to write a book. And when I don't write a book, I don't write a book. And that's how it, and I do other things, you know? And the thing is, is that, this whole idea that spirituality and the way that it's being looked at and how it's being presented is not about fitting in boxes at all. The, the whole understanding of it is never meant to fit in a box. It was never meant to be in a box. Spirituality is to each person what it is to them. So that's why I say be your own damn guru, because the idea of the moment you become codependent to someone outside of you is the moment you're actually surrendering over, handing over your power. How can we as a, as a society of people, as a collective, shift our planet into 5D if we're going to keep operating like sheep? And keep operating like codependent people who don't know how to create their own rituals, how to create their own um, morning things, how to create their own magic in the world. Each and every single person in this room right now, meaning you two ladies, are powerful, right? But your power is, is only as good as the story that you tell. So like, watch, I can give you an example. I'll just show you a perfect example of what we call in shamanism, shamanic storytelling. Okay. Who wants to experience it? Me. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay. So t tell me your, 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 your name again, my love. Matilda. Matilda? Matilda. 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 Okay. Matilda. Shaman Durek is creating a powerful surge of energy that is now moving in and around Matilda's body. This surge is so strong that it's going into her shoulders and into her spine. This is increasing her breath. And as she begins to increase her breath, this energy is increasing even more. Shaman Durek is accelerating this energy inside of her body and removing any energies that have not been serving her life. It's amazing how she started to release all that energy from her body. As Shaman Durek accelerated that energy even more and she began to feel more joy and more happiness move through her veins, move through her body in ways that she's never felt before. This began to create a great feeling of laughter inside of her body. As she began to feel this energy even more, she noticed that the spirits that were holding her from experiencing and expressing are moving away from her and now going into the light. Her breath began to increase even more. And as her breath 
begin to increase even more, her powers begin to increase. And as her powers began to increase even more, she felt more of the spirits that were holding her, trying to keep her from her power, and they began to disperse into the light even more. And now this time, she take a deep, deep breath, and she's now beginning to feel more of her power. Shaman Derek has now created a bigger surge of unconditional love that is now beaming into her body. And this love is being well-received into her body in ways that she never felt before. A sense of calm in her breath and her body has taken over, and she feels grounded and complete in her energy. (laughs) How are you? Are you waiting for my response? Yeah. What happened to you? What did you feel? I feel good. Do you see how much lighter you feel in your body? Yeah. I, I think so, at least. I feel good. But I'm, I'm so happy. I'm, I mean, what we're doing right now is like my greatest, my greatest joy in life. So I am already happy. But yeah, I feel good. So the thing is, the stories that we say about ourselves, right? Like if you put your hand out right now in front of you and say, say your name. Matilda. Is creating a powerful surge of energy in her hand. Is creating a powerful surge of energy in her hand. It's so strong that she's beginning to feel it even stronger in her hand. As she's beginning to feel it even stronger in her hand. She's surprised of what she's feeling. She's surprised at what she's feeling. That she's no longer afraid of these powers. And she's no longer afraid of these powers. And now the energy has gotten stronger in her hand. And now the energy has gotten stronger in her hand. And how does your hand feel? Like it's vibrating. Uh-huh. Exactly. You see, what human beings don't understand is the reason why people suffer is because they write the wrong stories. We are, the, we are literally the alchemist. We are the programmers of the matrix, the programmers of life, and the storytellers. In ancient shamanism, the tribe would gather around the fires to listen to the ancient women and men tell the stories of what is possible for the tribe and how powerful the tribe is. This gave people the ability to gather, to hunt, and stay in unison with each other, and the tribes would grow and thrive. Today, we're giving stories about fear, lack, limitation. We see movies of horror and pain and death that we cause to each other. We see destruction and war and chaos. And we proliferate our minds with these stories. And we tell ourselves that these things are not affecting us, but they are. Because when we open our mouths, we start talking about all the horrible things that are happening instead of talking about the things we want to happen or choose to happen. When we as a society begin to speak in unison with love, speak in unison with wisdom, speak in unison with healing, speak in unison with prosperity, the whole world is going to shift. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we hope that that shift is coming soon. What do you think? When will this shift happen? And just see how you even said that? We hope which means you haven't made a decision that it will or not. You use the word hope, which is a crossroads. It means it can or it can't. 
So the fact that you even say that creation and the ego is going, the ego goes, okay, so you think in hope. So you don't really believe that it is shifting. You haven't claimed it or chosen it. So you are waiting for something to tell you that it's going to shift, which means that you're not participating in the shift. You're just waiting to someone else to participate in the shift because of the sentence that you used. So then the ego then creates that as your reality. You see, because the ego is the part of your being that is your personal assistant. All it does is go, someone says, oh, there's no good men in the world. He goes, okay, great. I'll send all the horrible men to you. Okay. Anything Mm -hmm. else? Yeah, people go, oh, money's so hard to come by. Oh, okay. I'll make sure that you, money was coming your way, but I'll make sure we get rid of that and we'll just go ahead and make it so difficult that you won't come by it. Okay. Anything else? Um, life is so difficult. Oh, is it? Okay. So you say life is difficult and because I'm here to serve you, I'm your ego. So my job is to make sure that you get exactly what you say. So let me go ahead and start setting up the people and the places and the venues to make your life difficult. Anything else? I'm always surrounded by beautiful people. Fantastic, Shaman Dirk. What a beautiful thing. I will make sure that beautiful people are always around you and that no one who's not beautiful is not around you. Anything else? Hmm. That's what your ego does. Your shadow, your shadow is the light of your being. Now it's so important to choose your words. It's important because you're, you're the creator. You're, yeah. You have a team that's creating your reality for you. You have an hmm. ego. You have an inner child. You have a shadow. You have a, a wise one within. You have all of these beings. And people are going, oh, my higher self, my higher self, my higher self, as if your higher self is sitting on a cloud going, oh, your higher self is your shadow waiting for you to listen to its truth. The reason why it's your shadow is because you put it in duality because human beings, what they do, they like to demonize things and make it make it stuck in the world of duality of good versus evil, evil versus good, men versus women, this versus that. that and that, these are just polarities. They're not the consistency of all truths. It's just what you put your energy to. But because human beings like to believe that the shadow is this dark thing, that's how they relate to it. Just like people have issues with money because people don't have a connection with the spirit of money. They don't realize that the spirit of money is this most a loving spirit that comes into your life to amplify you, to amplify others, to bring joy in your life. No, they watch how other people treated money and they decide that's what money is. So when the money, why would the money spirit want to sit down at your table, at your house and eat from your table if you're constantly talking bad about it? If you're saying mean things to it, if you're constantly saying, oh, God, you know, money's this and oh, money causes problem or money causes a lot of pain. I've seen nothing but pain when people have money. So every time money comes to your door, you're like, oh, God, what are you going to come? Bring me some pain. Money's going to be like, no, I'm not coming into your life. Let me go into someone's life who actually sees me and wants me. But the problem is you have people who bring the spirit of money in and then they capture that spirit and misuse it in the world and demonstrate it through modeling it to other people that this is what money looks like. So people start building a resistance to money and stop going into lack and limitation, scarcity, can't pay their bills, can't move ahead, can't buy the house of their dreams, can't do any of these things when you don't have to live that way. You were never born to live that way. You live that way because you have a, what we say in shamanism, you do have an imbalanced relationship with money. Or if you don't have trust, you have an imbalanced relationship with trust. These are just spirits. Everything is a spirit. Fear is a spirit. That's what the matrix uses to keep us uh, afraid of each other and constantly causing division and constantly creating all types of things that you see happening in the world today. All they do is use media, 
use music, and use any form of ways to telegraph to you fear constantly repeating itself over and over until you actually believe that you live in a fear-based world. Then your ego goes, okay, you live in a fear-based world. Got it. So let's go ahead and create more things for you to be afraid of. Anything else? Mm. (laughs) So true. Do you actually see these things as energies? Like, can you see them moving? Like, can you see them in the room? Mm. 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 And is this, um, because we know that you are talking about spirit hacking. So is this a part of spirit hacking to acknowledge like all of these different spirits? The spirit hacking book is to teach you how to begin the skills of opening up those abilities and teach you how to put the power back in your hands and show you the will that you have, show you your understanding of what's happening to the world right now and how you can get out of the mud and the muck and the energies that you don't need to be in and instead put yourself in a position of um, of autonomy, of power, putting the power back in your hands through knowledge, through emotional intelligence, through willpower, and through the ability to balance the masculine and feminine in your energy and recognize the harmony that your body and your being is able to create in this world when you are feeling good because good creates good. The more you feel good, the more good you do. And so spirit hacking is about getting you to bypass the darkness, not from a spiritual bypass, but a bypass of I'm not taking on nonsense in my life. A lot of times people don't realize that they have a choice to decide if darkness is something that they're going to keep walking with or not. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, oh, I have so many more questions for you. Um, Go ahead. Fire away. Mm. Um, so one of them is that we've heard the, um, the, we two, the, the two of us have lived in um, Atlantis before. Uh, okay. So we have also heard you speak about Atlantis in some podcasts. Yes. Uh, so one of the lives that we had there was pr- programming crystals and working as healers. Um, w- so what can you... What can you say about Atlantis that is interesting um, for uh, the people living on Earth today to know about? And like, how is it connected to our existence today? Because so many are talking about Atlantis right now. Well, I was a te- I was a, what we called a chancellor of Atlantis. So that means that I was a head elder that oversaw a lot of the rituals and gatherings, uh, social gatherings of where we would share our thoughts with each other. So in the center of Atlantis, so Atlantis was bit. Uh, built in different pieces uh, with ocean. It was very on near the water. And then they had bridges that would go into different sections of Atlantis and stones that would have markings on them that would tell you everything and where everything is. Because the way that we communicated now is very different how we communicated in Atlantis. We use sound tones to communicate. So every sound gave you a whole story about what it is. So when you would look on a wall, you would see a symbol and the symbol would tell you where everything is, where this is, where that is, and so forth. Because we knew what each symbol represented. Now we've, we actually made language more difficult, whereas before we were much more simplified in our language. So a lot of times when someone would hum in Atlantis, you would know the story they were telling. And so in the center of Atlantis, they were called the great rings and the rings were all of these rings and each ring had um, a certain place where there was a crystal that went all the way to the center and to the big crystal in the center. And people in Atlantis would sit in each of those circles and take their spot and then they would all share consciousness with the crystals and that's what allowed them to develop their skills and their abilities. And so they were very highly empathic beings. That means they can sense every emotion going on inside of you. Um, They were telepathic beings, so they didn't have to communicate uh, just through sound. They also can communicate through thoughts. And they would do that by bringing their heads together or sometimes staring intently with each other with a soft face. And they would, you know, 
project into one another. Uh, one of the greatest things that I loved about Atlantis was how amazing we were with our use of the environments around us. Like we had these caves in Atlantis where we built these pods that had holes in them that we that we carved in. And when the ocean water would go into the caves, we'd put someone's body in there and close them in it. And we'd lower it with these cranks. And then when they would go in, the ocean water would go in the cave, creating the pressure of air in the cave. And then it would push through the holes of, of inside where that person was, and it would heal them through sound healing. So it would be all these different sound penetrations that would be high pitched, but people would start shaking and going through this intense healing. And then we would wrap them with um, seaweed and we'd carry them into these chambers, which were made like domes. And inside the crystals would be um, set up in a rage to create a grid that would actually help the bodies to heal of wound cuts. If they were hunting or doing any of these things, these things would heal them. And they would have these ability. Our technology was um, in alliance with, um, with nature. It was very simplified in the beginning until we merged with the ET colony that came in and saw the connection of integrating with us. But the problem with that was that the integration of that colony, they were much more interested in how we were operating and we didn't know that. So we, we saw them as a gift because they brought us new technologies on how to build our cities even better and greater and use technology as a way, instead of just cranking things, we actually learned how to use sound as a way to move energy. And we found more defined ways of how to create pressure and sound and vibration through the, through the bouncing and balancing of sound when you move a certain uh, energy a uh, certain way of through a crystal one way and another crystal another way. And then you'd create a symbol that you would hit and it would create this reverberating wave and it would hit all the crystals and then reverberate back into a place where all the people who would be in ceremony would get these vibrations moving through their body, which would take them into these higher levels of consciousness. So we are quite a civilized uh, uh, group of, of beings, uh, very tall for the nature of man where we are today, that's for sure. Um, and then when these ET colonies um, begin to connect with us, the first ones that connected with us tricked us in giving us technology in exchange for being able to utilize our body as a way to learn about us and what how we're connected to water and, and all the different elements. And what we found out was that they were not using our bodies because they wanted to learn about us. They were using our bodies so they can enslave us. And that began what we called the first conjunction. And this was the conjunction that led to the war on Atlantis for those who still wanted the technology, didn't want to give it up to those who were still living in harmony with nature. And those who were living in harmony with nature were against those who were using the technologies because it was causing a lot of problems. And so what happened eventually was that the the, 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 it became so intense with the vibrations of misuse that it caused Atlantis to have a tsunami. And that's what sunk Atlantis and broke Atlantis off into the sea. But because of that, the Palladians who saw what was going on uh, didn't want to interfere with us because they didn't, they wanted us to develop, but they also didn't want us to perish. So they took, um, what we call, um, 
uh, people and found the DNA strands that were not, that were matching what they needed with the animals and with people and created an ark, uh, which some people would call a boat, but in truth, it was a, a starship. And they basically took us while the earth was going through its you know, situations. And so when they brought us back, a lot of those people migrated to where you see Egypt today. A lot of them migrated across the other reefs um, that were known as the Great Barrier Reefs. And they began to split up. And then through climate change, their skin color started to change and become more either translucent, more, more, more whiter in color because of the cold and more darker because of the melanated necessary for them to adapt to the sun. But the problem from that was, is that after that happened, the ETs who, who were utilizing us as science experiments came back and began to enslave us by using frequencies that begin to distort our thinking against each other. And this is, um, if you read the story of Noah's Ark, that's the story of Atlantis. And if you read the story of, because it wasn't one man, Noah, who gathered a bunch of animals on a thing. Noah was a group of people. It was the Noada. It was the energy of the Atlantean people who were a group that were gathering all the specimens from the ocean, from this and that, to help the Palladians for the Ark that we were loading up up on the starship to be able to make it so that we would survive. The story of the Towers of Babel is the story of what happened to us when we tried to join together as people and build ourselves back into our position of using technology with our knowledge of nature and element and finding a balance between the two. And when the ETs saw that, they created a pitch of frequency through their starships and it scrambled our brains so we couldn't understand each other. And so if you actually read the story of the Tower of Babel, it says, look at them attempting to build a tower in the sky and be like us gods. Let us go down there and confuse their language and send them scattering amongst the earth so they cannot recognize or communicate and be in association with each other ever again. And so when they did that and they saw that it worked, they built um, power structures in Egypt, Sumeria, all of the ancient places where they became the rulers over the people and the pharaohs and all the different beings worshipped these gods and gave them homage, gave them sacrifices. The priestesses in the great temples of Egypt would do these intense orgies and then sacrifice men, sacrifice animals to appease these gods. But we thought they were our gods when in truth they were just beings who have been enslaving us since the time of Atlantis when they saw found out our weakness is in our mind. And so that's why today the matrix is still in that the, the, these ETs have found that the greatest way to enslave a human being is to make them believe they're not enslaved. Give them a sense of freedom without really having freedom. Give them a sense of ability, like because I can go on a vacation here and I can go to the grocery store here. However, you're censored, you're shut off, you're cut off from going to other countries unless you have a passport. All of these things are controlled so that you stay in the place where you're supposed to be. And then they set up boxes for everyone to go into. This is gay, this is straight, this is this, this is that. And people choose it. Just like, I'm not really black. That's something that Matrix chose for me to be. In truth, I'm Norwegian and I'm African because that's my heritage. But again, 
they want to call me black and they want to call another person white so we, they can create a race war. Because if you have two colors, now we can create a race war. We can't create a race war through nationality, but we definitely can if we turn it into a color. So everything is manipulated to keep us in division. And they use satellites in space to, to emit the same frequencies they used on us in ancient times to scramble our thoughts so that every time you think about stepping out to the barriers of the unknown, you get this horrible feeling of fear and doubt and feeling of something bad is going to happen, but you don't know what it is. And then all of a sudden you feel like you're not going to be able to survive or there's something's going to happen to you or people aren't going to love you or people are going to ostracize you. They're going to make fun of you. It makes you go into the worst thinking about your life and that frequency is set up so you'll never disobey them. So that way, in order for you to be able to get past that frequency, you the, the spirits in the spirit world, meaning our off-worlder beings like Palladians and Octurians and, and the uh, reptilians who've been so supportive of us getting out of the matrix that, of course, even the system of the matrix has turned them into be evil because that's how it works. It needs to turn anyone who's evil so you'll never trust them and you'll never listen to their wisdom. But they've created what is called a coding system. So what they've done is they've infiltrated our technology and they've been downloading codes to us, 1111, 333, all these different codes so that when you see them, it goes into your coding system and then all of a sudden it starts to break away those frequencies that have been projected at you so you can start thinking outside of those limitations and go into the unknown even more. So the more you feel safe to go into the unknown, you can't go into the unknown unless you feel more love. The more love you feel, the more shield you have against the the energies that would uh, resist you and going into those places of discomfort. And that's how we're actually shifting the matrix. We're not running from the matrix. We're here to reprogram the matrix to support a world that is based in love, not a world that is based in fear and separation. So how this is, (laughs) this is incredible. I mean, this is, I, I would say that this is news to everyone listening to this podcast. We have not heard this before, especially not on a Swedish podcast. How do you get out of the matrix? You're not supposed to get out of the matrix. Your job is supposed to observe the matrix and how it operates and be able to move through the matrix as an undercover operative. That means that you know that when you get a negative thought in your mind, it's not you. It's a frequency that's being sent to you to see if you'll accept it as your own. It'll come in your own voice. You'll hear a voice that comes in your head and says, you're so stupid. You're so fat. No one will like you. The most, what the matrix wants is it wants you to accept that that's you. That's why the frequency is set to connect with your frequency so that that's how they keep the slaves. It's kind of like when you put a, when you put a collar on a dog and a dog can only go so far in your yard because you have a fence that emits a pulse of frequency that the dog hears and only can hear. And it makes the dog fearful to run the other way. That's what they're doing to us. Are you there? Hmm. We Um, just lost connection. I think. Hello. Um, Can you, can you hear us? Hello? Of course. The Matrix knows I'm actually communicating to you. Hello? Hi, can you hear us? I can. 
I find that I always find those things fascinating when I go to tell you about things and the computers stop because the system That's knows. That's interesting. My mm. network never goes down. Mm-hmm. They know. And if I, that's the reason why on Instagram, I, I, make, I, I put every, my knowledge and wisdom of these things, because I've lived many lives, I put it into a sequence of conversation through my post that they would not be able to censor. Because I say it in a way that makes it you can't censor it. If I was to flat out tell you in a non-censoring way, they'd shut me out of all social media immediately. So forever, for our, our listeners who did not recall what happened... My internet connection shut down and our and this conversation just stopped. Wow. That's hmm. so interesting. Very interesting. And also our, our um, headphones <laughs> lost um, battery and it's just, you know, this, this technical mayhem. Um, this is so interesting. Thank you so much for sharing this. It's incredible to hear this from... And it's time for us to take off our dog collars and not be afraid to pass the boundaries of the unknown. And stop looking at the unknown as a scary place and look at the unknown as a place to gain our power. But I think this, this information can be super triggering for so many people too. I don't really care about that. People need to be triggered. This is not about people pleasing. This is about people pushing. And the only way we can actually change the system is by making people uncomfortable. Because look, it's the same thing. I was in a car with my girlfriend and she, I was telling her about her relationship with her boyfriend. She asked me, oh, you know, I'm, I don't want to talk about it anymore. It's causing me anxiety. And I said, well, then this, maybe we should talk about it because maybe it's time for you to feel what that anxiety is. And we kept talking and she started hyperventilating and then she passed out. And then she woke up and I was like, hey, how's it going? You missed the beautiful scenery that we drove by. And she's like, oh my God, what just happened to me? I said, you basically shut your whole entire system off because you didn't want to hear the information. But I'm not here to, to walk on eggshells anymore. We're running out of time on earth to shift our energy of our planet and ourselves and nature. And as much as people don't want to understand, Corona is just the first degree of, the, of what the system has in store for us. And so if we don't start getting to a place of realizing how to have human adaptation, the ability to change and move and to restructure at a moment's notice, so a lot of people won't survive. Because people hold on to their need for control, their need for the, they want to go to the same grocery store, eat at the same restaurant, have the same lifestyle. And what Corona is teaching people is that what you think is normal can shift tomorrow in a matter of seconds. So it's better for you to be adaptable. That means that no matter where you are, no matter what happens, you're always going to be okay. Yeah. Are you having difficulty with your technology? We do, we do, yeah. but we can hear you. <laughs> we we are sharing uh, one headphone here. <laughs> we're, but, and we're also recording this. Everyone looking at us can see this. We're not perfect. This happens. You know? Yeah, and it's exactly. And that's the that's the wonderful thing about life, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's what I call by adapt. That's adaptation, right there. Absolutely. Um, so our final question is. Do you have a channeled message for our community? My channeled message. Let's take a look. Let me see if the spirits have something they want to say. Spirits, go ahead. Uh, They said that they want your community to understand that they are not alone. They've never been alone. And that they've never done anything wrong. That they're eternal beings and that everything that they felt they had to go through that was painful and hurtful was a process of them understanding human discord. 
They chose to go through those things so they can understand how human beings fell from love. Once they understand that, they can lift themselves out of it and share those wisdoms from the pains and the hurts and the loss and the suffering and the abuse they went through and change them to diamonds and gems and rubies and share them with the world. They want um, your uh, people to know that this is a time of great transition. This is a time to let go of any place where you've been holding any judgments or that you should know better or that you should have this or you should have that and really let those energies go so that you're able to step into a place of being that that creator who's speaking the highest level of joy into life and writing the script with the spirit so that they can see your life change versus writing a script that is a horror movie or a, a, a film of loss. They want you to learn to write greater stories with your words and your thinking so that it begins to translate into your life that the spirits can bring in. Um, they said that this is also a time for uh, the people in your community to spend more time social gathering and building a uh community and clusters where they meet up, connect, perhaps different people who listen to your podcast can get together and meet up at a cafe and they start sharing mm -hmm. and connecting even more, really building a strong community of, of interpersonal connection and collective connection is going to take everyone to the next level. They love you so much and they want you to always remember you're never alone and you're always loved unconditionally no matter what you've done and no matter what you um, have um, experienced in your life life, that the love does not stop because of the choices you made, because they know the choices you made were exactly what you signed up for before you left the inner planes. Oh, wow. Mm, wow. What a beautiful message. That sound, yeah, that's... Wow. That's exactly what we all needed to hear. So beautiful. Okay. We could have absolutely sat here and talked to you for hours, but now we are nearing the end of this interview. Thank you, ladies. It has been a great honor for us to have you on as a guest in Holy Crap. Thank you for having me. And we hope that you will come and visit Sweden soon. Or even better, that we will see you in L.A. Thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom and knowledge with us and our listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Have a lovely rest of the day. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.